0: thought I'm having for this year's Thanksgiving message is that not only should we be thankful for the material things, the physical things that God gives us, but also the spiritual things as well. And no doubt God has made provision for us. Amen. I mean, we've been provided for and God has taken care of every need that we've had. We may not have always got everything we've ever wanted, but for sure God has given us everything we've ever needed. And I can Uh, I can be sure of that just by the simple fact that we're still here. Up to this point, everything that we've ever needed, everything that you've ever needed has been provided for you. Amen. But we can also be thankful for the spiritual things. I mean, if you've got nothing else to be thankful for, you can be thankful for your salvation. Amen? I mean, man, what we have there is amazing. And then not only that, we have the Holy Spirit. Once a person gets saved, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us. And uh, and so we have the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we can be grateful for things like that. We're going to read uh, the story here. Of the feeding of the five thousand, and it's found in Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 13. And I want you to think about that as we're reading this being blessed not only physically, but also spiritually as well. When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart, give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. And he said, Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass, and took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples, and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled, and they took up the fragments that remained, twelve baskets full. And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. An amazing story here. It tells us a lot about the, the deity of Christ. I mean, God is at work in these miracles that has taken place. Now, the face value of this is that right off the bat, the, the, the main thing, the main truth that comes out of this is that whatever you have, whatever you possess, whatever you've got is enough. Um, you, you've got enough to bless people with. You've got enough. Whatever God has called you to do, you've got what it you you already have what you need. And if you don't have what you need, I trust God's going to provide uh, what's needed. A lot of times, people say that uh, you know they can't do certain things. They can't do something for the Lord because they don't have money or a car or anything like that. Well, if those things are required for what God's called you to do, I trust he's going to make provision for you. But the truth remains that whatever little bit you have, that little bit you have is enough to bless people with. It doesn't take a whole lot to bless people with. I've spent time on the streets... In the past, uh, going to like homeless camps and street witnessing and things like that. And sometimes we would take something out with us. We might take a little food out with us. Or on a cold day, we would take blankets or socks or something like that. And it wouldn't really be a whole lot. It wouldn't cost us a lot of money. It wouldn't cost us hardly anything. But to those folks we were ministering to, I mean, it was a lot. And we could go out and we could show the love of Christ to them by, you know, giving them something, water or something, a pair of socks. And it would open up conversations with it, with them. And we were able to share the gospel with people. But, uh, you know, the truth is that the, what what the real blessing was was just getting out there and praying for people. It doesn't take much to bless people. And the truth of it is... It doesn't take a whole lot to be blessed. A lot of times we would be witnessing to people and someone who had nothing would say to us, well, can I pray for you? And we would say, absolutely, <laughs> you know, please pray for us. And they would gather around us and they'd put their hands on us and, and begin to pray uh, for us. And oh my goodness folks, if if you've never been prayed for by like a homeless person or something like that, just praying blessings upon you, it is amazing. And so and I, I've just learned that God has shown me a long time ago, it doesn't take a whole lot <laughs> to to be blessed. And uh And to bless so kind of keep that stuff in mind and so there's some there's some truths here I mean just the face value of this how God can take the little bit that we have and multiply it and be able to bless the multitude with but there's also some spiritual stuff going on here when you look at verse 13 and that first verse it starts off when Jesus heard of it the thing that he would heard about is the passing of John the Baptist the first part of this chapter you know, it's, it's being reported that John the Baptist had been executed. And, uh, when Jesus heard it, he was moved by this because he loved John. And, uh, and, uh, so he, he needed to get away for a moment. Now, I don't know, to kind of spend time with the Lord, collect his thoughts a little bit because he was moved by this and, uh, when he had heard that John had passed, it said that he went to a desert place. I know some translations call it a remote place, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's more than just being an out of a way place. Uh, because later, when you look down in a verse, uh, I think it was 15, it says, And when the evening, his disciples came to him, saying, Lord, this is a desert place, and the time is now past. It's getting late, and this is a desert place. It's, it, it speaks to the it being kind of a, a deserted kind of a place. A, a desert place would be a dry kind of a place. There's no one out there, you know, and there's good reason why there's no one out there. But let me say on a spiritual level here that whenever a voice is silenced, and John the Baptist was that voice of one crying in the wilderness. He was a prophetic voice, and a prophetic voice had been silenced. You see what I'm saying? And so... Whenever that prophetic voice, that voice of God has been, has been extinguished, has been silenced, He was the one who was pointing people to the Lord. Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. He represents like the last of the Old Testament type of prophets. He was the one who's saying, he must increase, I must decrease. I mean, those disciples that John had ultimately left John to follow after Jesus. And that was the way that it was all intended to be. But the voice had been silenced. And uh, when when the voice of God, the word of God, has been quenched, there's always a a a a, dre- a a a dryness, a desert kind of a place, will will kind of set in, and so it's it's not just the fact that it's a remote area somewhere. I mean, spiritually speaking, I mean it's it's a dry place. I dare say that even today. We are in a desert place. There is there is a famine in the land. Amos tells us, the prophet Amos tells us, that there's a famine in the land. It's not a famine of bread and water, but a famine of hearing the words of God. And we still are in a time of famine. And it's not because there's a lack of Bibles or preachers. We have all kinds of... Uh, uh, Technological advances and and uh, social technology and, and everything. There's plenty of ways to get the word out, and this in the word's going out. So it's not like there's nothing going out, but at the same time, there it says that in these last days that uh, there's going to be a famine in the land, a famine of of uh, even hearing the word of God. And so a lot of the problem is in our hearing. We're losing our ability to hear, and we're growing increasingly more and more deaf all the time. It's like we got peanut butter in our ears or something like that. I don't know. But even with all the technological advances and everything that we have, um, there's still a famine, a dryness in the world. Where is the fresh word from God? Where is the, where are those who are, are speaking, uh, the words of God? They're not promoting self and and everything else, but they're actually pointing people to Jesus, like a John the Baptist, sacrificially pointing people uh, to the Lord. And uh, when that's missing there is a there is a famine there's a deserted kind of a, a a place that we find ourselves in and not only is it a dry place but it's a uh, it's a late hour you know in that verse 15 it talks about being a it's getting late you know the disciples say hey this is a desert place and it's getting late we are entering into those final hours before the lord returns we're told that the lord returns at the midnight hour I don't think he's necessarily talking when the clock literally strikes midnight, but it—it's when things are the darkest, where things are the are spiritually the darkest—that's when the Lord's going to return. And we've got enough—we've got enough the warnings and everything with us that we know the hour's getting late. We're into the eleventh—the eleventh hour, if not later. We're approaching. That uh, that hour that the Lord is going to come, and so here we find ourselves spiritually. This is a real life, bona fide miracle that takes place, a physical miracle that takes place. But in this, we see spiritual truths and everything happening at the same time, and so we find ourselves in a dry time, a dry, a dry moment, um, and we also can see where the hour is getting late. Now, here, here is the thing also, is that uh, one of the things that Jesus won't do, when he, when he told the people, when the people, the disciples came to him and said, No Lord, you need to turn them away. Turn them away. It's a dry place and the hour is late. Just turn them away and send them back into the villages where they can buy, purchase their own food. One thing Jesus said, he said, no, don't, don't turn them away. Don't do that. I uh, Feed them. And here's the thing, even the same thing is true for us. God's never going to turn us away. We may be moving away from him, you know, and we can quench the spirit. We can grieve the spirit and all those kind of things. But all we have to do is repent, (laughs) you know, we, and repentance involves a change of mind, a change of heart. We're going the wrong direction and we just turn back to him and he's there and what he's, and he's never left anywhere but what he tells us is that uh, don't don't send them away i mean don't drive them off or anything but feed them and i think the lord's trying to do that for us now one thing he will not do is uh, is turn you away you know here's the thing it says that being 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 what was the motivation that he gave here it says being moved with compassion verse 14 being moved with comp- compassion he he fed them everything that Jesus did was out of his compassion and there's other verses like this it says out of his compassion he healed them out of his compassion he uh, fed them you know uh there's a verse it's in it's in uh Matthew chapter 9, listen to this, verse 36. It says, But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he may send forth laborers into the harvest. This is almost like, playing out the same way it is over here with the feeding of the 5,000. And it's just a few chapters before that feeding of the 5,000. But God is moved with compassion. Everything he does, he's He's doing it out of his love and for us. And so rest assured, God loves us. Amen. God loves you. He loves you. He's given you his word. You have his word. It's an amazing thing. It's proof that God loves you. You're able to hold the word of God in your lap, look at it with your very own eyes, and you are able to look upon and read the words of God. It's, a, it's an amazing thing that God has, has given to us. And so listen, man, he, he loves us, and he's, he's proven that kind of thing to us over and over again. Now the next thing I want you to see here is that this whole feeding process it says that the lord you know he took it and he gave thanks for it you know thanksgiving he took it gave thanks blessed it broke it and then he gave it to the disciples and the disciples gave it to the multitude and that's how the multiplication takes place and let me dare say this the disciples were really the only ones to see the miracle It's the servants who see the miracle. It's kind of like when Jesus turned the water into wine. You remember that story? Uh, The mother of Jesus goes up and says, you know, we're out of of wine at this feast that they were having at the wedding feast. And uh, Jesus says, what's this have to do with me? Well, she turns around and tells the servants to just do whatever he tells you to do. Jesus tells the servants to go fill the pots with water. They fill it with water and then serve it and some were in the process. The water was made into wine. The, the attendants of the wedding didn't realize a miracle had taken place. The governor uh, at the wedding had no idea that a miracle had taken place. In fact, he made the comment how most people bring the bring the uh, best wine out at the first, and then the cheap stuff later. You know, once they've kind of drunk a little bit. But he points out that you've saved the best for last. But the interesting thing is that the only ones to see the miracle is the servants. And the same thing is true for us. Everybody else will miss the miracles, but it's the servants that see the miracles. In this situation here, I think it's the same way. It's the, it's the disciples. He took it. He he took the bread and the fish. He broke it. And he gave it to the disciples, and the disciples gave it to the multitude. And there was enough, there was enough for everybody. And so I think it's kind of like it's kind of along that same kind of a, of a of a line, and uh, but he 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 made the bread. Let me let me tell, let me give you some thoughts here about bread. Now let me just share this with you. In this miracle, it was literal bread. He literally took bread in in fish two fish and it was a physical miracle that took place and these things were multiplied and the multitude was fed with them but there's a spiritual lesson being kind of taught here at the same time we know that bread is often associated with the Word of God. Jesus teaches this lesson himself when he says, "I am the bread which came down from heaven amen and uh, and he said, "Your fathers did eat bread in the wilderness and they 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 died, you know, but he comes and he gave he, he, uh, uh, real bread, the bread from heaven, and it's the only thing that's going to sustain them and everything. So Jesus referred to himself as in the Word of God as being the bread of life." Amen, and so um, we have this thing. And so, oftentimes, bread is associated with uh, uh, with the Word of God. You remember on the road to Emmaus after after the resurrection he met two guys on the road to Emmaus and they were talking amongst themselves and Jesus said something to them like you know what are you guys talking about and they look at him like he's nuts and say where, where have you been <laughs> you know you, like, you haven't heard all the things that have taken place and so Jesus began to uh, share with them out of the scriptures and once their eyes were opened up to who it was that was talking to them that it was Jesus Jesus vanished Je- Jesus disappeared from their presence they look at each other and they say oh but man did his words not burn within us did his did did nothing when he uh, when he explained the scriptures to us and things like that see that's the kind of picture that i think we're supposed to have when it when it talks about the the word Uh, there's a verse in john chapter 21 uh, verse 5 after the resurrection you remember there was a time when there was a waiting period there and Peter was sitting there on the shore and he said, I'm going to go fishing. So the, some of them get out and they go out on the boat and they begin to fish. And while they're out there, Jesus comes and I, you know, I guess making breakfast on the shore and he looks out there at them and he says, uh, do you have any meat? Do you have any meat? Now remember that for a moment. And, uh, as soon as they saw him, they knew it was the Lord, but the Lord started talking to him and he said, throw the, throw the net on the other side of the boat. And he'd already done that miracle for him once before. And so when, when here he is, this is like deja vu, you know, he starts telling them to throw the net on the other side of the boat again. So then they knew instantly who he was and they throw the net over and they catch a, a, a huge catch of fish and everything. And they start making their way to the shore and, and, uh, and they look at the, they look at Jesus and, uh, let me read the verse to you here. It's out of John chapter 21, verse nine. It says, as soon as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals and fish laid there on and bread. You see that? I like that, man, uh, that picture of uh, meat and meat and bread. Now, remember, he said, do you have any meat? Do you have any meat? And so he gets, he he uh, brings that question kind of up. Now, let me remind you of some other stuff. There's a story like in, there's some verses like in Hebrews where the, the, the God is kind of reprimanding the people because, uh, he, uh, he senses that they are, uh, there's some neglect taking place. They've been neglecting their salvation and things, but anyway, and there's some complacency amongst the people and he challenges them like, you know, you guys should be further along than this. And, uh, he referred to them as being on the milk of the word. He goes, I've got so much I need to tell you, but I can't tell you having seen that you're, 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 you're still babes. You're still on the milk of the word. And, uh, And so we have to get back to the elementary things. So he's spurring them on to maturity. But uh, the milk of the word is just simply the knowing of the word. The meat of the word is... Uh, the doing of the word we're back to that whole growth spiral again you know you know something you do something and then you're able to discern and that's the way growth takes place that's the way the multiplication process and everything takes place but the meat represents the doing of the word and so the idea is is that we're supposed to move from milk to meat jesus even said that my meat is to do the will of him who sent me. You remember one of those times when Jesus wanted to be alone. He he sent the disciples to go fetch some food. They come back with some food and they offer the Lord some. And the Lord says that, you know, he doesn't want any. And, and they say, well, what is somebody giving him something to eat? And Jesus says that my meat is to do the will of him who sent me. And so Jesus even refers to this. And so what I think we have here in this whole picture of meat and bread, the fish and bread, is it's the word of God. It's the bread represents the word of God. The meat is the kind of the doing uh, doing process. And if you can see that, that's how that's that's how multiplication uh takes place he takes it he he breaks it he gives thanks for it you see and blesses it he hands it to the disciples The the disciples in turn hands it to the multitude and it's just it's that process is taking place and before you know it there, they've, uh, there's enough to feed everybody. There's enough. And here's the thing. The same thing takes place with what I'm doing right now. You know, I haven't prepared a sermon or anything. I just got some crazy whacked out ideas. I, the, the Lord's kind of shown me some things. I come out with a thought. I just share my thought. I come out and I open up the word of God and I, I open up this, this, this uh, bread of life. And I just simply say, God take the meager offerings i bring forth bless it and feed the multitude with it you know may everyone get some out of this and not just not just enough for themselves but enough for others as well i mean there's enough to fill 12 baskets full you see what i'm saying and so they can take some with them and they can share it with their neighbors and stuff. And so it continues to be multiplied. Even the 12 baskets of fragments that were left over the day of this feeding is still in the multiplication process, the way <coughs> the way I look at things. So there's more going on here that the Lord is trying to, to show us. Yes, there's a physical miracle take place, a literal physical miracle that takes place. But the Lord is trying to show us something at the spiritual level and, and everything as well. Uh, so here's, here's the thing. We've got much to be grateful for. Amen. We've got much to be thankful for this Thanksgiving. All of the provision that God makes for us. It's a miracle. Everything you have is a miracle. And uh, we can be thankful And uh, we need to bless God and we need to thank him for it and ask for his continued uh, blessings to to be upon us as we as we uh, go about this coming this next year and everything. And, And just pray God continue to use us, continue to bless us and make provision for us. And here's the thing. I guarantee it. He's going to. He's going to. But not just being thankful for the physical things that God gives us, but be thankful for the spiritual things as well. We have salvation. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the gifts and everything that God has given to us. And we can, these things can be multiplied and passed on uh, to others. God can take the, the little bit that we have... And and do something with it. And that's what we're supposed to do. Just take the little bit that we have and do something with it. And God multiplies it. And does something with it far uh, beyond ourselves. Oh, Lord, we bless you. Oh, God, you're good to us. And we thank you, Lord, for the provision that you gave us, that you provide for us. And, uh, Lord, we've got much to be grateful for. You've you've given us everything we could possibly have ever wanted and and even needed. And, And, God, we bless you, Lord, for that. We've got so much to be grateful for. But more so even on the spiritual level, God, this gift of salvation that you give us, the responsibilities that are connected to it, the accountability, Lord, as well. And Lord, help us to be faithful stewards of that and uh, just multiply that as well. Give us the little bit that we've got and challenge us to, to move and do and work in those areas that we have and just see the see the the multiplication of it and may many people even be blessed by this little this little offering i put forth today in this recording so just help these miracles to take place and god just feed the multitude i pray believing in the name of jesus amen